Welcome to Awaken to Grace. Today we have a very special edition because today we are featuring our student pastor, Glenn Stewart, and he preaches a powerful sermon on how to stand and fight battles in your life. Well, I know that today's broadcast is going to encourage you and strengthen your faith. I hope you enjoy our wonderful friend and student pastor, Glenn Stewart. Right, First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 22. How many of you guys have heard the saying, um, money is the root of all evil? Anybody heard that one? Money is the root of all evil? We've all heard that. But what does the Bible actually say? Oh, see, you're getting where I'm going with this. How many of you guys have heard the saying, God will not give you more than you can handle? Anybody ever heard that one? Does the Bible say that? Let me tell you what the Bible actually says. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm just going to read this. You don't have to turn there. Verse 8 and 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. This is Paul writing. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises from the dead. See, that scripture shows me that God... We'll give you more than you can handle so you can rely on him even more, right? So there's this guy named Benaiah we're going to talk about, and we're going to read his text. But then we can find out very quickly that this was not true for Benaiah. So verse 22 of 1 Chronicles 11, And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was a valiant man of Kabzeel, a doer of great deeds. He struck down two heroes of Moab, he also went down and struck Egyptian. Oh, sorry. I skipped a line. He also went down and struck down a lion in a pit on a day when the snow had fallen. And he struck down an Egyptian, a man of great statue, five cubits tall. The Egyptian had in his hand a spear like a weaver's beam. But Benaiah went down to him with a staff and snatched the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. These things Benaiah did. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and won a name beside the three mighty men. He was renowned among the 30, but did not attain to the three. And David set him over his bodyguard. Now, I shared at the 9 a.m., only our students got this. Maybe some other people will get it. There is a, like when you watch something on social media, and like something says it just surprises you. You ever been in a conversation where somebody just said something, and they just keep going, you're like, hold on, did you really just say that? Did you really just tell that story? You know, it's like there's a video, it has a comedian, he's like, hold up, wait a minute. We're not going to speed past like that, like you didn't say what you just said. And I'm reading this text, I'm like, okay, he killed two Moabs. That's cool. Then he killed a lion in a pit on a snowy day. And then it just goes straight into he killed an Egyptian. Like, what about the lion? I mean, I'm thinking, okay, two Moabs, that's pretty cool. The five cubits, he's about seven foot. Seven foot Egyptian took his own sword, killed him. That's pretty cool. But we've seen David do that with a, with a slingshot, right? And it's like, this man killed a lion. Let me put that in perspective for you, right? A lion is the second largest cat. The male averages 400 pounds. A female averages 290 pounds. It runs up to 50 miles an hour. 
Its claws are an inch and a half long. Its paw swipe is 400 pounds of force. And its bite force is 650 pounds per square inch. Now, that all sounds cool, right? It's all just numbers. Do you know it only takes about 65 to 75 pounds of force to decapitate a human? And this paw has 400 pounds of force? I love lions. I always said, if I ever wanted to fight an animal, I would fight a lion because it would be quick. One swipe of the paw. <laughs> I saw a video. I'm, I'm fascinated. I mean, I have Disney Plus, Disney Plus subscription. I do. Not because of Disney. I watch the National Geographic channel on it because that's just who I am. I love the outdoors. I love nature. I love animals. I love all that. Like 72 most dangerous animals is right up my alley. So um, I saw, I watch all the lines and all the videos about it and watch them hunt. And it's so cool until I'm face to face with one. And then I don't like the idea of it. <laughs> but I saw a video of these three bodybuilders. They were like massive, you know, just could bench press a car walking out there. And they grab this rope and they start pulling. And then these three guys, I mean, they're pulling hard. I mean, they're like, their veins are popping out. They're getting red in the face. They're pulling everything they have. And it just pans over and shows the other end of the rope. And it's a female lion. And the lion's not moving. He is anchored in, just holding the rope. And these three guys can't move it. So I'm thinking, in a fight, this lion might be the worst possible enemy that Benaiah could be fighting at this moment. Would you agree? Like, these two Moabs, sure, they might be pretty bad dudes, but they're not going to attain to a lion. This seven-foot Egyptian, he's cool, but we already seen that with David. I mean, it can happen. A lion? I don't know about that. So let's talk about Benaiah for a minute. Who was Benaiah? Benaiah was one of David's mighty men. He was the leader of the mercenary forces and David's bodyguard. But how did he get there? See, it says, it says in the end of that, David sent him over his bodyguard. So he, wasn't, he was just an average fighter. He was just an average guy when he fought a lion. So let's talk about this for a little bit. So we're talking about this worst possible enemy. I got to stay up. Sorry, Dave. Dave keeps telling me I can't go back to the wall, and I want to go back to the wall so bad. <laughs> Who knows? I might be down in the floor in a minute, Dave. I get excited. We're talking about this lion. Now, I'm not, let's just give it a benefit of the doubt and say it's a female lion who still weighs 290 pounds, still has the same paw force, still has the same claws, and actually female lions are more dangerous because they hunt better than the male lions. So for whatever reason, when you look at Benaiah fighting a lion, it's always a male lion because they're the fighters, but I would be more scared of the, of the female lions because they're aggressive. The males are lazy. They're just lazy. They sleep 20 hours a day. But he's facing the worst, po how many of you guys have been in a situation where you face the worst possible enemy, you think? I mean, the worst possible thing coming at you, and it's been like devastating to you. It's a lion. That's what it represents. What does the Bible say about uh, a Satan as a lion, right? He comes like a what? Roaring lion. There's, there's, these line up. So you might not be facing a physical lion in your, fa in your face right now. There might not be a physical lion standing in front of you, but there's the enemy is right in front of you ready to attack you. There's an enemy who is standing right in front of you looking for a way to get into your life and destroy everything you have going on. And some of you may be facing that lion head to head right now. Some of you may be facing that lion right now and you have no idea what to do. 
This is where we get the title of today's message. It is fight your battle. You must fight your battle. So you're facing this lion. You must fight that lion. Let's take it a step further, though. Yeah, we've all had bad times in our life. We've all have faced things that have been absolutely uh, hard to overcome. Let's add that you're in a pit. Now, when it says added to a pit, what that means is it's almost like a cave or like a hole in the ground. There's no way out. It is you and the lion in front of you. There's no other way. And your back's against the wall. How many of you guys have fought the line of your life, the battle in your life, and you feel like your back's against the wall, there's nowhere to go. You've exceeded all other options. You're exhausted from trying to find ways to get out of this. Instead of fighting your battle, you try to climb the wall. You try to, cl- you try to do this, you try to do that, and there's no way out. Your back's against the wall, you're tired, and the line is still in front of you. We've all been there, right? Let's take it a step further. It wasn't just a pit. And a lion. The snow had fallen. So I like, I like watching the fell army stuff. You may watch fell army where people like do crazy stuff and get hurt. That's why I like to watch that. It makes me laugh. Uh, you ever seen the, I like the one where the guy goes out to unlock his car and it's been snowing. And he unlocks his car and he starts sliding down his driveway. Anybody seen those? Or like, they, like they're skating on ice because they can't get their footing because, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's what, I, that's what I imagine Benaiah is going through. Like he can't find his footing because the ground is so wet and so it's covered in snow. He can't find his footing. He's back against the wall and there's a line in front of him. So he's in the worst possible location because he's in a pit. He's facing the worst possible enemy, a lion. And he has the worst possible timing of his life because it's been snowing. Now, I don't know if you guys have been in situations like that where you've had the worst possible location Worst possible timing against the worst possible enemy. But I can tell you this, in situations like that is why that number that Josh had of suicide rate is 240% higher. Because they're in a situation just like Benaiah and they feel like there's no way out. Benaiah could have easily just laid over and let the enemy take over and kill him. Benaiah could have easily just laid down and sacrificed his life and said, you know what, I'm not fighting anymore. I'm tired. I can't keep my footing. There's no way I'm going to fight this and just lay over. See, can I get real with you for a second? Because this is how it played in my life. We all know how bad the shutdown was, right? It was the first one. One was like, like nine weeks. That was miserable, right? And because the church was shut down, well, my job was shut down for nine weeks. And so I'm sitting back on the couch every day. Now, if you know who I am, I am outside the door. I got to have something to do from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. She is super cute. <laughs> she's my best friend. She's, she's hyping me up. It's fun. She's amen to me over there. So um, every day I'm sitting here on the couch. And they've sent Ashley home from work, and she's answering calls at work. And she's working. And I don't know about you guys, but I take pride in the, in the ability to go out and work and provide for my family. Like, that is something that I've always wanted to do. Like, my dad did it. 
I've seen people who haven't done it, and I, I wanted to be the guy that provided for his family. Like, that, that is who I wanted to be. And when I'm sitting at home for nine weeks, that is the worst possible situation for me. I am not the person to stay at home all day. But then the worst possible enemy came in. And this is what, this is what Satan told me. He said, you're not good enough. He said, preaching Christ church won't miss you if you don't go back. He said, the students won't care that you don't start back L3. This is what I've been told for nine weeks during the shutdown. This is what the enemy's telling me in my head. Like, you're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. You're not qualified for this. You're not. And just kept going on and on. And I'm in the worst possible situation because I'm at home. The worst possible timing because there was no end in sight of the shutdown. And the enemy's battling me in my mind saying, you're not good enough. Just give up. Just lay it down. Just walk away. Nobody will care. I've been there. I've been in situations where all three of them have been put together, just like some of you all have. And I, I love this story. Because I'm reading over it, God's showing me something. We've been in those situations. But why is it you guys can help me. Well, why is it that we are facing the toughest enemy when we're facing what destroys us in the worst possible situation? Why is it that we tend to compare our situations to other people? Why do we tend to say, well, if I just had this, I could get through it. If I just had this much money, I could press through. If I just had this life situation, I could just press through and be okay. Why do we always compare ourselves? I'm going to Talk about comparison for a little bit. And you may think, how do you get comparison of Benaiah? Here's how. If Benaiah opened the Bible today and was reading it, and he read his story, but he also read Samson, and Samson had this supernatural strength to kill a lion. And then he read about Daniel, who God shut the mouth of the lions for Daniel. You think he would compare his situation? I mean, God, if, if, if you could give Samson supernatural strength to kill a lion, why can't you do it for me? God, if you could just shut the mouths of lions and let Daniel sleep, why couldn't you do that for me? Why did I have to fight this battle? Don't we do that sometimes? Why do I have to fight when this person didn't? Why do I have to work harder to get this job when this person didn't? Why do I have to succeed and work harder for something somebody else got easy? Why is that? Why do we always compare ourselves? Theodore Roosevelt said, comparison is a thief of joy. God has given us joy for the life that we have, but when we start comparing our life to someone else, we lose it. When we, when we start comparing ourselves, I'll be honest with you. I do it all the time, and I'm like, I got to stop. I got to stop. Here's why. I'll be driving down the road. And there's a church that I'm not, I'm not, trust me, I don't mention names of churches that I'm friends with. There's a church that has a student center, what I would call, but it's like a big gymnasium with classrooms and an office space. And I mean, it's big full court basketball, glass backboards, like it's legit. Like it is like youth pastor dream over here. If you want something to pray about L3 for, student center would be nice. I'll take one of those. No, I'm kidding. I would like it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I would utilize it. 
but I, I'm like, God, if you just give me this building, I could do so much more in ministry. God, if you would just give me this, I could host uh, athletic camps and teach the gospel there. If you would just give me this, if you would just give me the church, this building that this church has. And then I start talking to the church or some people at the church. I'm like, hey, what do you guys do with that student center? You guys use it for anything? They said it's not been opened in months. The leadership of the church don't want, pe- don't want stuff broken, so they won't open it. They don't want stuff broken, so they won't do ministry out of it. And I compare myself, like, if, I, if this church would just have this, I would, I, would, I would be so much better in ministry. And then God reminds me that the battle that's in front of me, the, kids, the battle the kids are facing, don't care if there's a student center. They don't care if they have an indoor basketball court. They don't care if we have a nice classroom. These kids need Jesus. And if we're not providing Jesus, we, we've missed the whole point of what we're doing. But doesn't comparison make us think outside of the box, like outside of what we're supposed to be thinking about? Like if we're fighting this enemy, doesn't comparison like make us think about something else and then we lose what's in front of us? Lose the focus? Like what would happen if Benaiah started comparing himself to Samson or Daniel? And he's in this pit with a lion and he's trying to find his footing and he's comparing himself to Samson and Daniel. He'd have lost the battle. He'd have lost the fight. There's been other comparison stories. Rachel and Leah, Jacob and his brothers, Jesus and the disciples. We can go on and on, right? About comparison, how it destroys and how it steals uh, joy. Do you guys know the story of Theodore Roosevelt? Some of you may. One of the things that he accomplished at the time he became president, he was the youngest president ever. And that's great, right? And every time you see a picture of Theodore Roosevelt, he's smiling. But did you know that on the same day in 1884, he lost his mother and his wife the same day? Did you know that he had to go back to his ranch and work and find his joy again before he could do anything else? He understood fighting that battle at the worst possible situation, worst possible time. He understood the line that's in front of him. And when he he beat it, when he got victory over it, he became the youngest president, and that helped build his platform. 2 Corinthians 10, 12, not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves to one another, they are without understanding. The Bible says it's not wise to compare yourself because a comparison is a thief of joy. So, if we're Benaiah, we're fighting this lion, fighting this enemy, worst possible location, worst possible timing. And naturally, our body tends to compare situations, right? Especially in times of chaos. Well, God, if you would just give me this like you did this person. If you would just give me breakthrough like you did this person. We tend to compare. So how do we change the mindset of our comparison mind to keep the joy and fight the battle in front of us? Well, there's three ways. First, 
is we have to see everybody as their special gifts just for them, not for every. Like, grace is unearned, right? We understand that. Grace is unearned. Grace is, there's nothing we can do to, uh, to gain grace. Same with the gifts. There's nothing we can do to gain more gifts in our life. God has given us free gifts that we must use, but not all gifts are the same. I can stand up here and I can speak all day and be fine with it. You give my wife the microphone, I'm going to get punched. <laughs> she doesn't do this. That's not her gift. But you can ask every one of my L3 leaders and what the students, what her gift is. She's a little blunt. She's going to tell you exactly how it is. But the kids need that, right? They need someone to tell them exactly how it is in a personal setting. That's her gift. We all have different gifts. Romans 12, 6, having gifts that defer according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Use the gifts. We have to see the fact that we all have different gifts. I can't compare myself and what I'm going through to what Eric's been through because his gifts are different than mine. We have different avenues to go forward. Second thing, find out whose approval you're striving for. Who do, you want to, who do you want approval from? The Bible says in Galatians 1, for I am now seeking the approval of man or of God. Am I trying to please man? If I still were trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. See, I tried to please students by getting a student center. That's what I was comparing to, getting students to enjoy it. But the reality of it is I needed to get to a place where God was approving what we did, not what the students were thinking when we walked in the door. Does that make sense? So we have to get to where we're approving, wanting the approval of God, not man. The third thing is we must be content. Philippians 4, verse 11. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, when Benaiah was content with who he was, he wasn't trying to be David's general. He wasn't trying to be someone, this special person. He was trying to be Benaiah and fight the lion in front of him. And they said, I can do all things through Christ. That lion didn't stand a chance when Benaiah knew who he was fighting for. That lion didn't stand a chance when he could see the victory that God was giving him. But for us, we gotta see the victory. See, here's what it's saying. When we wrap up in verse 25 of 1 Chronicles 11, it said he was renowned among the 30, but he did not attain to the, to the three. And David set him to the bodyguard. You guys go ahead and stand with me while I wrap this up. Go ahead and stand. Here's what, here's what this means. The battle that you're facing in front of you, all it does is help build the platform God is gonna give you to glorify his name. All it does is that one more building block for you to stand up and say, this is what God done for me. But first we must fight our battle. See, here's the thing, take it a step further. Once he was David's bodyguard, David anointed Solomon as king. If you haven't read that story, it's crazy. Like David's son, another son trying to say, oh, that's my position. He self anointed himself king and tried to kill Solomon. And it was all a big fiasco. But what did David do? David said, Benaiah, keep my son Solomon safe. And he did. Solomon became king. So the battle he's facing at this moment was keeping Solomon safe. 
from everybody trying to kill him. But once that happened, once Solomon got the king, you know what his next platform was? He was the general for Solomon's army. He was second in command of the army because he knew the battle he was facing now would build the platform for him to glorify God later. See, we must see a victory today.